In our country, we have national leaders who, well, we sense truly do care for people. And we have others who just seem to do what may appear politically expedient. And it doesn't matter where you fall on the political spectrum. You see caring leaders and you see self-centered leaders. The issue is we don't always agree on who is who. But today, we're going to focus on one leader who truly loves and cares for all people. No question about it. No, no one can deny this. Well, welcome to Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. I'm Lynn Pryor, and joining me each week is my co-host, Chris Johnson. Chris, it's good to be with you for another podcast today. Thank you, Lynn. It's a it's good to be with you. Happy New Year again to you. Uh, kind of adjusting to it being a little colder here in Nashville, but I think we're going to survive. We are getting in the swing of things. Well, joining Chris and I for this particular podcast is Ken Parker. Ken, thank you for taking the time to uh, meet with us on this podcast. Thank you for the opportunity. Let me just introduce you to Ken. Ken is uh, one of our writers um, for leaders who are using the leader guides. Uh, you are reading Ken's commentary, what we, what we internally call the shared commentary, appears on all the leader guides. Ken, Ken Parker wrote that for this particular study that, we're, that is called Irrefutable. Ken actually uh, is a, a long history with Lifeway, not just as a writer, but Ken is a former Lifeway editor. Going back to Ken, if I remember correctly, what we used to call the Bible book series. Am I saying that correctly? That's correct. 1978 is when I started. 1978. And you stayed with us till about 2000. At that point, Ken went to become a pastor, uh, a pastor in Franklin, Tennessee. And so, Ken, but you've been officially retired now 10 years? Since 2012. Okay. All right. And uh, you and your wife, Kay. Kay was a longtime uh, editor with our children's resources. Uh, now living in the Spring Hill area uh, with kids, both serving in ministry, and you've got a bevy of grandkids, too. Five. So I'll be a a bevy, yes. It's not a word we hear every day on our podcast. Yeah, coming off the holidays that we just finished, I imagine Christmas is a great time for you and Kay as you're with families. Hey, Ken, uh, my dad taught. Uh, through several cycles of the uh, Bible study that you worked on. Uh, I think he started in about 1980 and he, ta- he taught a, uh, a sanctuary class. So he, the pastor didn't teach a class. He, my dad taught in the sanctuary, kind of grew a class up, but he taught through several cycles of the, what, what is now um, explore the Bible, Lynn. Yes, that's correct. Okay. So uh, appreciate uh, my my dad loved teaching the Bible and loved the resources that we provided. So glad to make a connection with you there. And my mother used them too, so it was really interesting. Yeah, that's great. Well, what Ken is going to help us to to see today as we wrap up this study is we're going to be into the study of where the wise men came uh, and, and encountered Jesus uh, as an infant. Uh, so here's our emphasis today: is you're with your group, keep this before you. It's the idea that Jesus leads and cares for his people. To help us just get to this point, we're going to be in, we're going to begin in in Micah. We're going to look at a prophecy of Micah, and then we're going to transition to see how this prophecy was fulfilled, in particular in Matthew chapter two. So, uh, Ken and Chris, let me tell you, I want to read this passage, and then I'm going to throw, I want to ask you a question about this passage. This is Micah 5, verse 2 Bethlehem Ephrathah. You are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. 
His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. Now down to verse four, he will stand and shepherd them in the strength of the Lord in the majestic name of the Lord, his God. They will live securely for then his greatness will extend to the ends of the earth. He will be their peace. Yes. I want to ask this, why is this such a significant prophecy? Chris, Ken, either one of you guys. I will start. I love this passage. Um, it's, it's one that I would uh, go to a lot as a pastor uh, to help people make the connection of what's the significance of Bethlehem. Uh, the, the Old Testament, First Samuel, we learn that this is this is the town uh, where David was born. Uh, so this was the 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 city of David is what it's become known as. Um, it was in close proximity to uh, to Jerusalem. And uh, probably was connected somewhat with the um, with the temple sacrifices, uh, with uh, sheep uh, being raised and shepherds working those for those fields. Um, Ken, I'll let you jump in at that point. Well, I think that one of the things that's important for all of us to understand is the connection between the Old Testament prophecies and the New Testament fulfillment. And this is the only passage in the Old Testament that mentions specifically the birthplace of Jesus. So it makes it especially significant. And when you read it, then Matthew quotes from it. It's just a, another sign. Matthew quotes from so many Old Testament passages. But it just shows the, the, the wholeness of the Bible and the eternal plan of God. And, of course, that God knew all along what was going to happen. And he just told his prophets early. And then hundreds of years later, exactly it was fulfilled. It's, an, it's really a beautiful picture. This also aligns with um, the, the promise to David the covenant God made with David that uh, uh, from, from his uh, family, uh, there would be one who would, who would rule forever. So that's in second uh, Samuel chapter um, seven. So th th there's there, uh, what we have in this passage are those, all of those connecting points to exactly what Ken described that, that God beforehand uh made this known uh, in his promise to David and then is fulfilled and uh, are retold again in, in Micah and then fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. And Chris, this is something we have not addressed uh, in any of the other five sessions, uh, but we can take any one of these five weeks that we've had that we focused on a pro uh, Old Testament prophecy and we can look at that and it's like, it is amazing. But now you take all those prophecies and put them together and the odds of it being fulfilled in one person, in that sense, just becomes you know, astronomical. Uh, even this one particular one in Mac, um, uh, Micah 5 about Bethlehem, you think about all the cities, all the, all the villages in, uh, in, in Judea, it's certainly the whole nation of Israel, uh, yet we focus in on just one, and, and it's one of the smaller villages. Uh, and, but you put all those prophecies together, and so this is something truly unique about Jesus who was born. I appreciate you saying that. I, I know that um, for, for years of preaching, uh, there, there were seasons where it's, it's difficult to preach because it's, it's this, you know, it's the same message, uh, whether your theme or or characters or uh, and and passages, they, they, they tend to all kind of be the same. Um, but I think, I think, the, the importance of us preaching it and us teaching at this time is uh, pe people just don't always connect the dots. 
and and see the significance of what you just described. And I, I think that's some of the wisdom and the importance of going to these stories again and again, and not assuming that everybody knows and and teaching it uh, from that from that perspective. Now, some people might wonder too, Chris. All right, it's we're in January now. We're in well into the second week here. We're still in the Christmas story. Well, technically, we're not. So, so, Lynn, now this is your opportunity. I know you've 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 uh, talked about this, and this is kind of your your opportunity to. Uh, this is your hobby horse, the opportunity to to to. Uh, Speak your mind about the whole nativity scene in the wise men. So tell us about it, Lynn. <laughs> I have been known to go to friends' houses at Christmas, and they've got their wonderful little nativity set all set up. And I'll just kind of casually pick up the wise men and move them across the room because they weren't there yet. They, 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 they were on their way. And I, I've had some friends, they not noticed it for a long time that the wise men had moved. Um, <laughs> Well, really, when we come to Matthew 2, granted, Matthew chapter 1, we have the birth of Jesus. But you come to chapter 2, there is a sense where some time has passed. And we'll, we'll see this in a moment uh, as uh, we talk about Herod and his response to killing the, the children who were the boys two years old or younger. Uh, but let's, let's just, uh, let's kind of, we'll kind of maybe come back to that. Uh, but let's get into Matthew chapter 2. Uh, to look at what's happened after the birth of Jesus, possibly uh, months, months down the road. Verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. Well, in Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. So that's a second reference that we've had, uh, as we've talked about this lesson, to, this, to, to the shepherd dynamic, that he will shepherd his people. And uh, so I think that's an important uh, topic for us to have. Uh, but uh, Ken, I'd like for you to take a minute, if you would, to tell us some things that we know uh, about these wise men. Well, from what I've read, uh, we've always called them the wise men. The word really is translated is, is the word some people may remember from, uh, I think, old Henry had a book. A story, short story called The Gift of the Magi. Yeah. Another word, the same word is used here. And the, the idea, of course, is the, the central idea is people who are wise. But if you go back and look at the first chapter of Daniel, you remember when Daniel and his three friends were taken as, as captives to, to the land of Babylon. And there they were given opportunities to, and because they were picked out. And of course, they went through the thing about the foods and they wanted to be careful and all that. But they were chosen because I guess they were just good looking and they maybe they had a jeopardy test for them to take or something. I don't know, <laughs> but they, they showed that they were wise and had potential. So they started training them. And it says in all the ways and the knowledge, the wisdom of that land. And some people think that group to which they were assigned were the same group here that these men came from. They were known to be wise and scholarly, especially in things like government 
in leadership, but they were also involved in things like astrology and astronomy. And some believe that they had even magical kind of powers that they could exercise. And of course, Daniel and his friends didn't go there. We know that they were always true to the, to the one true God. But it was a long history. And so the, the interesting thing is how in the world did they get a, a hold of this idea of this, this king being born? Right. Not only that he was born, but in another land. And some scholars have found records that show that there was a, like a, almost a worldwide belief that some great leader was going to show up on the scene, appear on the scene. So that kind of set the general stage. But a lot of people also believe that these wise men from the East, that they had been involved with some of the Jews who had gone as captives there. And they like they were maybe like the scholars in Athens. They liked to talk about new things. So maybe they got to talking to some of their Jewish friends and the Jewish friends started telling them about the Messiah and the prophecies and even the specific prophecy of Bethlehem. Uh, some people think that also when you get to the star, that the star may, they may have been told them about, I think it's Numbers 24, 17, which mentions about a, a star that would appear. This is from the, this seems kind of crazy, but it was from the prophecy of Balaam. Right. <laughs> but some Jews, you know, these Jewish leaders and teachers, they would mind the words very carefully and specifically. So maybe that's where all this background came from for these men. They were very wise. They were searching for the new things and they got maybe some ideas from their Jewish friends and that led them to come to Bethlehem. And it's fascinating because there's just, there's so much detail, rich things you just shared, Ken. And of course the bottom line is we don't know any of this for sure, uh, but it's obvious that God was working in the lives of these men to know, to, to, to follow that star. Uh, to know that now where they came, and it makes sense where they, they, they came to Jerusalem. So if they're looking for the one who's born king of the Jews, where are you going to go? I'll go to the capital. So that's why they arrived in Jerusalem and went straight to King Herod. So let's talk about Herod for a minute. Why does it say that Herod was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him? Well, Herod was of a kind. He was called Herod the Great probably because of all his buildings. But uh, he wasn't so great among the people. They, they, they appreciated the buildings. They really appreciated what he had done to rebuild it, to build up the temple. But the problem was that he wasn't really a Jew. His father was not a Jew, so that made him not a Jew. He only got to his position because of knowing people in high places in Rome. And he was so fearful. And uh, so he killed, had killed a lot of them, family, his own family members to protect himself. So if he hears something about a new, a new king, a king of the Jews, then obviously he would be very upset. And that's why it says a lot of the people in Jerusalem are very upset because they, they knew what he was capable of. Sure. So if Herod was disturbed, it disturbed. And there was the potential for everyone to yes. have issues or problems. OK. Yeah. Now, we're not going to get into this in our in our groups, the, the particular passage where it talks about what Herod did. Um, but when, when he realized that uh, the wise men had left and not told him where the baby was, in his anger, he, uh, he just put that edict out. Well, again, this is why people were fearful of him, uh, to kill the, the children. And again, this is where we, uh, let me stress this again, why he killed the children of the boys of a certain age group. Because it wasn't like he, well, let's just kill all the boys that had been born in the last two weeks. Uh, it was obvious the child had been born and had been around a while, so he uh, he extended that, that that death sentence up to age two. But where our focus really is going to be on is that the wise men came to worship, 
and they were given the, the direction about Bethlehem. And so I want us to skip down and we come to uh, verse nine, that after leaving the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. And I love this next passage where it says, entering the house, they saw the child of Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented it with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we have seen already in our study of Irrefutable that the response to going to where Jesus is by the, by the shepherds, uh, Simeon's reaction, uh, the wise men, is to acknowledge uh, who Jesus is and to bow um, and worship him. So it's an exciting way for us to end this study, uh, to focus on their, the response to what happened to, to the wise men when they found what they were searching for. I think the two key words here in both passages, the idea that they were looking for a king, a ruler, but from the quotation again, that's requoted by Matthew, is that they were looking for a shepherd, <clears throat> which makes it really interesting going back to your comment about Bethlehem. There's a two, there are at least a couple of things. One, you mentioned, Chris, that there were, they have been maybe there, they actually raised sheep in that area that were used for temple sacrifices, but also the rest of the other part of the early part of the Christmas story, the night Jesus was born, who gets invited to come see him first and worship him? You know, what a, I mean, that's no accident, I don't think. And then, of course, the other part of it is that Jesus became the good shepherd. You read the passages like in John 10 and other places like that, that Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. I'm going to take care of my sheep. And it's just a kind of a holistic approach from all the way back Old Testament, New Testament. They didn't come just to worship a king. They came to worship somebody who would be their shepherd, the good shepherd. And when you think about the, uh, the as we mentioned, the Old Testament passages that talk about God as our shepherd, of course, Psalm 23, of course, how he leads and cares for us. Again, this brings us to the point of this study. The wise men saw him as the shepherd, and Jesus is the one who leads and cares for his people. That's the kind of king he would be. So we need to talk just a little bit about the gifts. I think that people in our groups will, will want to have this conversation. So, Ken, can you give us a little bit of background um, about the gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus? Well, gold is always a pretty good gift to bring to a king. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> remember the uh, account of when the Queen of uh, Sheba came and brought the, her gifts <clears throat> to King Solomon. And it's, I forgot the amount of money, but it's some, I mean, money, but it was pounds and pounds of gold. And when kings would, that was normal when a king would go to another place or he would send messengers to gifts, that was usually one of the gifts that was included. Then you get into frankincense. And the frankincense, when you go back in, the, in Exodus, they talk about the uh, oil that was going to be used in the incense oil that would be used in the tabernacle. And part of the ingredients that was customarily used there was frankincense. It was mixed in with the fragrance. And that was the you know, part of the fire that the priest would make sure kept being kept. The coals were always warm because the, the smoke that came up from the incense in the tabernacle and later in the temple was a symbol of the prayers of God's people going up to him. And then mm -hmm. a myrrh, I, sure. I guess the most common way we associate myrrh is when Jesus was died on the cross and he was taken, his body was taken down from the cross and he was wrapped in linen cloths, which was part of the way that they would typically wrap a body. 
but they also inserted spices in there. One of the spices specifically mentioned is myrrh. And scholars say it was probably not a liquid form. It, it may have been, but probably a, maybe a, a ground up form of some of a more substantive kind of approach. But it, I mean, again, that association with Jesus, with worship, with, with honoring the one that deserves it the most. You know, all through this Christmas narrative, we've seen different references to Mary, the amazement, Mary and Joseph, and kind of sort of treasuring and kind of tucking these things away in her heart. And I wonder that too, and here come these gifts, and like we were action gold, sure, that's great, we could use that. <laughs> but how, do they, how, how would they respond to the frankincense and the merges? What was her initial reaction to what the significance of that? And I'm sure it was obviously years later, just go, oh, I, I, I get it now. Just to, just to tuck that away in her heart and see years later how uh, the, the true significance of those gifts. Some so scholars of, actually say that the gifts were used to help fund their journey when they fled from Herod, to fund their journey to Egypt and back. Wow. That makes, makes sense. sense. Mm -hmm. It really does. So um, one of the things that um, we try to do with uh, Bible Studies for Life is to be sure to ask questions that will create a conversation. And so a couple of those came to mind as we were looking at this last section. Um, so one, a question that may generate some conversation or what are some gifts that we can bring to Jesus uh, as a part of our celebration and worship of him? Um, and another question is just the, just the role and the influence of worship in our lives. And just to give our group members a chance to talk about those things, I think will be very beneficial uh, to wrap up the study. Right. And of course, as you wrap up your study, keep in mind, this is a great story. It's great truths. What does it, what does it mean for my life today? Take time to look at the last page of your personal study guide, whichever one you might be using, and to consider those live it out statements to help us to think, what am I going to do to live out the truth that Jesus leads and cares for his people. Uh, there's three uh, bulleted ideas there, and they may generate another idea for you. But remember, the key thing is uh, take the truth and say, God, how can I live this out in my life today? Well, once again, we want to thank you for listening to our podcast uh, for Bible Studies for Life. Hope that this has been helpful and beneficial to you personally. Hope that it will impact uh, your group uh, conversation as you take a look at this scripture passage this week. Ken, thank you for writing, but thank you also for being with us today. You did a fabulous job. Thank you, guys. So this wraps up our uh, Bible Studies for Life uh, study on irrefutable prophecies that point us to Jesus. Uh, next week, we'll pick up, uh, we'll have a, a, a kind of a standalone study before we launch into uh, a study uh, from the life of, and the experiences of Joseph. So hope that you'll plan on being with us in the weeks to come. 